In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. This morning, there's a part of me that's in Central Park. Not just because it's such a beautiful day, and not just because, as I look around, there are probably a few people in Central Park who often are in this room, Um, But I'm thinking about a particular part of the park. It's it's one of my favorite spots in New York, one of my favorite spots in the world. I'm thinking about that spot just inside the park at 72nd Street, uh, down the stairs, across the terrace, overlooking the lake, is the only statue called for in the original plan for Central Park. It was also the first commission to go to a woman for a public work of art in New York City. And so there it is, rising up in bronze with water falling all over it, is the object lesson for today's gospel. Bethesda Fountain, designed by Emma Stebbins in 1868. And it's crowned with a figure known as the Angel of the Waters. It depicts today's story of the healing fountain in Jerusalem. Some versions of the scripture call it Bethzatha, some Bethesda. It was thought to get its healing properties because the angels of heaven would dip down and stir the waters up. In Central Park, Bethesda Fountain commemorates the Croton Reservoir, which also brings healing for many a New Yorker. It's underscored on the the fountain by the four cherubs on the fountain, which represent temperance and purity and health and peace. Bethesda Fountain over in Central Park highlights the verse in the Gospel of John that the editors of the New Revised Standard Bible decided to leave out and only relegate to a footnote. I think that's too bad, since the verse adds some useful information about what people thought was going on with this healing fountain. The version we read today says in verse 3, In the porticos of the pool lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And then skips to verse 5, explaining that one man there had been sick for 38 years. The in-between verse, the one relegated to the footnote, says, For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well from whatever disease that person had. You could imagine it almost like a, a whirlpool with someone with a switch off to the side, and so they turn it on, and that's the time to get in. Otherwise, it doesn't really have its effect. The troubling of the waters was a good thing in this gospel story. You, you wanted the waters to be stirred up with trouble because it was, it was holy trouble, and in that holy trouble could come healing. This gospel today speaks to a number of different people, I think. It probably speaks to even more, but I think of at least three categories of people that this gospel says something in particular to. First of all, it speaks to those who wait for healing, for those who've been waiting for healing for a long time and can't really see a way forward. 
Those who wait, wait sometimes in what they feel like is in vain. The scriptures are filled with stories of of Jesus healing and sometimes the other apostles and disciples offer healing. Prophets sometimes heal. There's the woman who's healed of a hemorrhage simply by touching the garment of Jesus. If we're not careful, reading about the healing of Jesus can sound instantaneous, like the the faith healers we might see on TV or in the movies or at a revival. But notice how in today's gospel, the man has been sick for a long time. That doesn't mean God has been absent from him. It simply means that for some reason or another in the mystery of the universe, the man has been sick for too long. In Mark's gospel, we're told about a woman who was sick for 12 years, another who was sick for 18 years. On and on, these stories remind us that healing doesn't always come quickly. Healing doesn't always come with the right prayer or the right amount of faith or the right religious experience or the contemporary equivalent. Healing doesn't come necessarily with the right diet, with the right vitamin regimen, with the right fitness plan. Healing comes in time. The story of the man at the pool of Bethesda speaks of one who persists, who keeps his hope, who continues, who who hangs on each day, each year, waiting, looking for healing. This story also speaks to those who who look for healing, but perhaps for one reason or another overlook the healing that might be there right in front of them. I'm reminded of that wonderful story from the Old Testament of Naaman, who was a military commander who had leprosy. And Naaman had tried all of the specialists and authorities of his day. If Naaman lived in New York, he would, he would use all his connections to get into to Sloan Kettering and, and zoom down to, uh, to Baltimore and, and every other place. He'd check the Mayo Clinic in any other place he could find. But then he hears about this prophet, Elisha, who seems to be a man of wisdom and healing, and so he sends for Elisha. Then Elisha sees Naaman and says, just go down to the local river and wash and you'll be made well. Well, Naaman is indignant. I mean, he's paid for much better advice than that. Naaman understands himself as being different from everyone else, as as being special, as being unique in his own illness. But Elisha somehow knows with the wisdom of God that, that a part of what will make Naaman well is a little bit of humility. And so Naaman balks at the simplest solution at first. It seems too easy, too simple, too obvious. But then finally he goes and he finds healing. That person Jesus meets at the pool of Bethzatha, Bethesda, is, is right there by the water, but he has all sorts of reasons for not stepping in. Maybe we take them at face value, or maybe we hear in them a little bit of excuse-making. Will others get in before me, Jesus? I never seem to get in at the right time. 38 years and no one's ever helped him in? One wonders. It's a little like the person who limps in pain, but whose doctor assures them that if they simply have the knee replacement or the hip replacement, the pain goes away. 
Or it's like the person who squints and misreads, uh, perhaps avoiding seeing the doctor who would give a new dose for eyeglasses or have a simple procedure to correct the problem. Or perhaps it's like the person who wrestles with an addiction and convinces herself or himself that, that they're different from everybody else. When there's a 12-step group that meets in their church basement or in the side room that could offer healing and new life. Often healing is at hand, but we find reasons to delay or to sidestep or, or not ask for help or remain just beyond arm's reach. Sometimes we need to wait for healing. Sometimes healing is there if we'll take it. And then sometimes we're just confused and we don't know where to start. And that's where maybe all of us come in sometimes in God's plan. Um, Maybe the fellow at the pool of Bethesda, Bethesda, didn't know how to find his way to the pool. And that's where God calls other people. In the gospel, God called Jesus to lead the guy to the pool. But maybe God calls us to offer help to someone, to to point to another direction, to offer to accompany someone to an appointment or suggest a specialist or a program. Not to get in someone's business, but simply to be present, to offer help to be of assistance, to be an agent of God's healing work, to be a a helping hand with just the right word or, or just the presence in silence. As majestic and beautiful as the angel is on Bethesda Fountain over in Central Park, maybe we are called to be that angel sometimes to be the one who brings or prepares waters for healing, who helps connect one with that water, or who helps to carry the person to get the source of healing they need. Sometimes when someone needs healing, they they look to me, the sort of professional pastoral caregiver, for a prayer. Um, But often it's someone among you who offers the real healing When someone has recovered or been through treatment for a particular ailment or disease, um, you're the better healer to speak to someone who, who may be undergoing that for the first time. Someone who has had a heart procedure often has the best advice and encouragement for someone about to take it. And certainly 12-step recovery movements show us that the wisdom and effectiveness of, of recovering people helping others is where healing can be found. The great priest and writer Henry Nouwen describes such a person as a wounded healer. He writes, to enter into solidarity with a suffering person does not mean that we have to talk with that person necessarily about our own suffering. Speaking about our own pain is seldom helpful for someone who is in pain. But a wounded healer is someone who can listen to a person in pain without having to speak about his or her own wounds. We have to trust that our own bandaged wounds will allow us to listen to others with our whole beings. That is healing. Now in speaks of the power of being silent, but elsewhere he speaks just as clearly about the power of speaking the right word when we are asked. That's where discernment comes in, of knowing when to speak and when not to speak, when to offer healing and when to mind our own business. 
who knows when or where or how or in what way we all might be called to engage as agents of God's healing. But let us pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to stir up holy waters around us and show us how to help stir up the spirit of healing and health. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.